Alright guys, welcome back to the Salmon Trout Sea Lighter Podcast. My name is Lucas Holmgren and today I am back with Keith Johnson and Andrew Schnell. And we are going to be talking steelhead and we're going to be laying it all out there. The tough days, the good days, the memories, the first fish, and all of that stuff. And so the whole reason we're here, we just turned the record button on. The thing is, is... We've been fishing today, and the and fact is... it was is, very tough. Yes, and we talked fishing all day. You, you, you talk about 2% about life, and then 98% fishing details, mm. and just three guys fishing in a boat, just constantly thinking about the little teeny details, and then realizing there's just got to be biters there in the first of place. Of course, like, it, you know, it was a tough day. We started out with uh, a couple different tactics, and then we moved to, like, a second and third after that. And it was tough no matter what we did. We scratched out maybe three bites. Mm -hmm. Well, three for sure. Three for sure, yeah. Three for sure steelhead bites, and then a couple trout and a couple suspect. Yeah, I mean, we can't count down, but, like, yeah, yeah. Three that we've seen, and yeah, three that we knew. And there might have uh, been a shredded worm. It looked like it went through a cheese grater. It could have been a parmesan worm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah. was teeth. I think that was steel. It looked yeah. like teeth to me. So, oh, no question. <laughs> so Andrew uh, landed a, a fish. I lost one. Came off on top of the water. Another one shredded the worm. But we covered an insane amount of water. I would say we really did, and effectively too. Keith, talk about it. You got two guys in the boat that are trying their darndest with worms. Yeah, you guys can read water. Um, Would you say we gave it a good shot? Oh, we we gave it the best shot we could have. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I agree. I feel like I wouldn't do so anything hard. different. No, we both tried of you same. can read water. I'm telling you, hey, this is a very good spot as well. Uh, but on a river like that, normally, okay, on a lot of rivers, I can get out there and I can read it and I can be picking it apart. But this, where we were fishing today, I relied on uh, Keith's judgment, having fished it before, a lot more because both sides of the river would look dandy. Exactly. Even the middle looked I mean, dandy you sometimes. You couldn't make up your mind where you wanted to throw it so yeah. fishy looking. The entire thing was like... 3.5 to 5.5 foot deep with boulders and gravel and walking and, speed steelhead yeah water. just absolutely and runs just, and and tail outs and beautiful headwaters and then just yeah. perfect color the steelhead green all day everywhere the, the type of thing that if the fish were <clears throat> big in number and on the bite it, it's like the most insane magical river you could think of but when there's less fish biting or in the system in general, now you're tasked with finding them in a haystack of incredible holding water. And you figure out how to get them to bite, and you yeah. try not to give in to your, your mind of naturally thinking, am I doing something wrong? Let, let's try this. Let's yeah. try that. And you're like, you know what? I need to stick with what I'm using. I know it works. Yeah. And then yeah. it does. Yep. But it might be your only bite of the day, or yeah. maybe the second bite that you're ever going to get yeah. that day. And we were, we and were that's doing that's what we experienced. We, we were, had, yeah, we had bites on pretty wildly different colors, uh, in, of different 
you know, methods of fishing or presentations like in within the same spot. Even. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think any one of them could have worked. I think ultimately we had a couple boats right in front of us fishing the exact holes yep. efficiently. These are good fishermen that are fishing. Now, granted, the, the nice thing is, is theoretically with how much holding water there is in there, we should be able to pick up more behind them. But today, I really think they must have sniped off a few. You know, actually, one of the coolest things about today that I'm going to take as a take home is there was a there was a raft in front of us. Keith saw him hook a fish and lose it. And then they took off not long after that. And Keith just said, hey, we're going to pull into the side here. We're going to wait for 15 minutes. And then we're going to start fishing again. And that's generally like a spot where you know, like, there's fish. Every time it's like, yep, here we go, guys. Get ready. It's going to happen right there. Yeah, yeah so it's a, it's a high, fish. high percentage spot. So Keith said that. We waited our, you know, waited it out. And then, uh, and what was interesting, I had a suspect bobber down, as my brother would say, an SBD. Shane, uh, Shane will you, be like, you never ever want to contract and, uh, one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Be careful out you there with don't. the SBDs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, it, but then, uh, you know, a couple casts later, then hooked that fish that came up to the surface and came off. But that was just really cool to see. You know, a boat had already rowed through there, through that holding water. They had already On hooked top a fish of where there. You yeah. had a takedown. And, yeah, and I, you know, hooked one, and it came up to the surface. Definitely a winter steelhead and everything. So it's it's really cool to see. So yeah, and he just, looked you, right you, at you and showed you what he was made of too. Absolutely. He, he was on for like at least three to five seconds, and yeah. like that was just like you just had that look of sheer joy on your face yeah. that we all lived to yeah. experience when we fish hard all day. We you, look, you looked over. At us, and you were just like, It's happening. And yeah. It was one of those and days like, where, happening. like, you just throw all day long and you're just wishing for one bobber down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, you could have a 10 fish day and be like, Oh man, I wish it was 20, or you know, you could have yeah. a three fish day and wish, Oh man, I, we could have got five. You know, I wish we could have got, you know, a couple more. Then there's day, those days where you're like, You don't catch a damn thing. Yeah. And you're wishing for one bite. So yeah. that's similar to what today was. Absolutely. Very tough. And that's what makes us kind of like yeah. steelhead junkies. That's exactly, part, part in the exactly phrase. But what, it's like you're really, you really are wishing that bobber down. I mean, we were saying some horrible things to our bobbers. Well, yeah, today. I mean, you got to talk even to want to your discuss bobber it. here. Yeah, there. exactly. You just have to. Yeah. And you know what? It ended up kind of working. It did work. <laughs> I mean, it, once in a while, you gotta yell at your bobber. You, you and gotta tell put them in there in their place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta put them in their place, and yeah. it, and it it did work out a little bit. I don't know. Andrew was yelling in German or something, but yeah, that might have helped. I did a few times. There was a little bit of Deutsch. Yeah. I'm Deutsch and Deutsch for sure. Yeah, yeah, bitte. Yeah, we we figured out a. Uh, a term for a bobber down in German, didn't Oh, it? yeah, let's not go there. It's a, <laughs> it's it's interesting that, that language, how it can sound like certain English phrases. But, yeah. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. I didn't laugh about that all day. Yeah. That was yep. pretty funny. We had, so, some, we had some good laughs all day, like just general jokes. And then also some good making fun of each other, as is like... You gotta have that in in any day a little yeah, light. I mean, if they had a better light guy, razzing, I mean, you know? really, if you guys had a better guy, probably would have got a few more. Nah. 
I think I think we killed it. Do you know what it's like to fish behind you, Keith? You know how many days last year I fished behind you? You know how hard it is to full fish out of the river behind you? It's brutal. So, like, we were fishing behind other people, but I would way rather be fishing behind other people than I would be fishing behind you because it is <clears throat> so hard to pull fish out behind you, and I have to get so I feel creative. that way about a lot of other people, too. Like, some, do you think that- some people say... That Keith Johnson is extremely fishy. I didn't. I didn't Stop say that. it. Other people said it. But Some I mean, people say that. On a real note. Um, but well, I think is that no mental or is it? No. Here's the thing. Okay, because I, I get that Keith same is, feeling. Keith is, but also those guys in front of us. They're no slouch. No. There's no. a lot of great anglers out on the rivers there these really days. Are. Well researched. Who are we kidding? There's very effective people with top fishing, of the line gear really good gear and they're going in front of us and that's no excuse it's awesome to go behind and, and that's catch what I'm fish talking about but let's be honest as far as those tail out those highly aggressive fish that are just sitting right in the meat of where you would expect and them to be those and, fish are gone think, you know what they're Somebody totally gone you got to find something a little bit weird yeah. or hope that there was 10 of them or maybe a spot that's you yeah know, you're like you know what no one would ever cast there yeah. a lot of times fishing yeah, we behind did that other all day people. today yeah yeah fishing behind other people especially if it's if it's keith or just anyone else up on the op i have to get really creative and uh usually i end up having to break out the drift rod and i end up drift fishing like deep pockets off to the side you know where the fish are spooking into or just like hucking it like 70 feet across the heckin river just to try and get it behind like a downed log that's got like a nice break behind it or something i know that just like would be a drift fishing ridiculous is amazing. so like you'll get a lot of these fish that they realize like they've seen their buddy caught or maybe they've been caught by a bobber flowing through because every every bobber is going to float through the water i don't care who you are your bobber's going to float the same so do you feel they get indicator shy i i don't think they care about the bobber i think they're just very intuitive and they see how the presentation comes through the water Mm -hmm. Um, most of the time your weight's probably not in contact with the bottom but you get somebody out there drift fishing and it's on a tight line and it's swinging in front of them if you really know how to do it you can hold it in front of them give it some action you know somewhat with with your rod action as you're working it through there yeah just a different angle it's a different look but i've seen this on a a river in particular um 15 minutes from my house in grace harbor Mm -hmm. the blank of the blank blank yeah. yeah. Um, blank fork of the blank. Yeah, exactly. It's got a spillway on it. Nice. So right above the spillway, there was this big deep hole. Yeah. And you'd throw your prawn in there. And if it was on a bobber, you couldn't get a bite. You couldn't get a bite on anything in there on a bobber. Really? And so I was just like, you know what? I'm desperate. I actually have some coon shrimp in my truck. So I walk all the way back to my truck, come back out throw a coon shrimp on there, drift fish, boom, first cast, nail nail a steelhead, mm-hmm. first cast, drifting a coon shrimp. Are you sure it wasn't the coon shrimp? No. Went back there after that for a week, every day for a week, and we were having 10, 15 fish days, just a couple hours, drift fishing whatever bait we wanted to throw through there. Mm-hmm. 
But you couldn't get a bite on a bobber. Yeah. They would not touch it. And you feel it was the the presentation of the drift fishing rather it, it, than being, yes. the, yeah, than yeah, being exactly. indicator it, shy a, specifically. It's a heavily fished um, uh, hatchery fishery. Well, and I will say uh, not drift fishing specifically, but there was a upper river hole. I, was, I brought a buddy up to uh, an upper river area that he had never fished before and he brought like a really nice like loomis spoon rod and everything and he hadn't fished spoons that much and um i don't think yet and we both went through with bobbers through this one hole with kind of a little bit of a varied depth to it went through with worms and jigs and everything on bobbers zero bites i asked to use a spoon rod we got the uh, little Leo, little cleo you know what it is, two-fifths ounce, silver and silver and blue. Yeah, that's a good and one. And I throw that out there, hook a wild steelhead, land it, cast it out, hook another one, land it, and he's like, give me my spoon rod back. And mm-hmm. then he gets two more. We went through the hole with floats, got zero fish, and then on the same spoon, four fish in one hole. I have no idea what happened there. Like, how does that happen? Um, some strange things can happen. At the same time, I'm not going to bet my money on a spoon for the entire winter. But there are those days. Yeah. But for the entire winter season, I if I had to choose one, I'd probably end up with a float rod. I mean, you could feed yourself. I mean, you might go yeah. a day or two without catching one, but you'll catch them. Well, I feel like in cold water is where you're going to struggle. Whereas with a float and a jig and a... We get plenty of that here, for know, sure. So... You know, when I'm hiking, I like to have my drift fishing rod <clears throat> with the three-way swivel with the snap, you know, underneath. And um, then I'll put my leaders on snaps, too. But, like, I'll bring spoons <clears throat> and spinners um, pretty tight onto snaps. And then, like, that rod just ends up doubling as my spinner and spoon rod. I just take the weight That's off of perfect. the snap. And I take the bead or worm or whatever off of the leader and then i just snap on a spinner or a spoon you know 18 inches yeah. behind the three-way swivel and it like it fishes just fine you can even take the snap off the swivel if you want plus and you also have a swivel on your line so it's like cool. just a double rod it's better for hiking yeah i want to hear keith's uh he was telling us his the story about when he caught his first steel yeah line. okay i want to hear him tell <laughs> so the, the, the whole reason <laughs> we turned on the computer super I, cool story i was like hey so keith starts talking about this interesting story and i'm like hey we but we need to record another first of podcast all, i never caught it, it, was, it was okay no let's go wait, hold up okay now you already gave away the punch line well or we can all talk the, about yeah. the first okay. one we landed or and the first one no so uh 12 years old yeah i was 12 i had my mom drop me off on this creek and i thought i was going trout fishing for cutthroat with night crawlers and you were and i was and well it was December, um, and I, I start climbing around, and I'm catching some sea runs, and little did I know it was the perfect conditions to ever hook a steelhead. I threw a night crawler out and watched the steelhead come and eat it. Well, mm. And that fish was so much bigger than the cutthroat you were used to catching, right? I mean, I think I had six-pound test. I mean, <laughs> it was just this little rod that 
Um, for cutthroat, I, I yeah. apparently for cutthroat. I yeah. apparently, you know, had my drag completely tightened down. I didn't Ooh. know any better. Brand new. Totally get it. I wasn't you know, paying attention. Get it at, at age Walmart. 12. Whatever lines on the reel, I'm taking it. Oh man, I had no that, idea just came about with that line stuff. And some yeah. Crappy little hooks. Yeah. And I'm pumped, right? I'm Constantly out there tangling, fishing, catching lots yeah. of trout. It's not working great. No, but, uh, <laughs> but you're getting some fish. You know, yeah. And then I watched this steelhead come up and eat my night crawler. Yeah. I couldn't believe my eyes. I set the hook, and it, it, as soon as I did that, it went the other direction and broke me off. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to well, use a drag. Six-pound test, pin drag, it makes yeah. sense. So, I mean, I'm like on the verge of probably... Your heart having, was probably popping out of your chest. Yeah, that was my first steelhead yeah. right there. Yep. And what was the first Andrew? one you landed, though? Oh, my yes. first one I landed. I want to know that too. Yeah, was on a jig color that I do not even fish anymore. I don't. Actually, I do know why I was fishing it because I didn't know any better. It was a bright yellow jig. It was a crappy rabbit fur jig with a chrome silver head. Hmm. And and how old were you and where were you fishing relative to home uh, this time? I was probably fifteen, and I was actually on the Wainichi River and in the winter time. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I kept going out day after day and throwing these stupid lures. And I found this jig at the store, put that on. And we were hoping to catch a steelhead with it? Just hoping, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't know if it'd work. I thought it would. So you knew around town that there was steelhead in the river oh, yeah. and people. people and I'm getting about like a 13 pound wild hen. Really? Yeah, and of course I drug it up on the gravel bar like yeah. you did back then. I was yeah, so yeah. proud of myself. I, yep. t- I took a picture yep. and, uh, you know, let it go because it was wild. Mm-hmm. Back then, um, there was not near as much um, of conservation like we have now. Education, yeah. Education. Yeah, you do, a lot of people just plain don't know, and that's yeah, why it's good to I just educate no people. no clue back then that I shouldn't be dragging them up on the yeah. gravel bar. Yeah. And if you think about it like that, you grab a rock and kill the salmon or steelhead mm-hmm. it doesn't take much it's pretty easily yeah. done i i would argue that steelhead it does take much but uh but it but it certainly does hurt them to to smack on the rocks big time and it's yeah you know it's all about education and you learn and you know nowadays obviously taking good care of them with our waders and everything being able to unhook them right in the water being in there with them it's nice but um, but I, so you were saying a, uh, a hen, like a, a nice winter hen mm-hmm. was your first one. Yep. That's a big fish for a yeah. first year. Oh, I was pumped. Especially yeah. when you're a so kid. So long. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Man. What about you, Andrew? Um, so the first one <clears throat> I hooked, I was drift fishing. Um, I guess I'll name the color. It was a little uh, clown bead um, from BNR, which is uh, can be fantastic. And uh, anyways, drift fishing that, and um, this was like my first winter steelhead fishing, and I had like I had de- I was determined to not let anybody show me what to do or like um, you know take a guided trip or anything. I wanted to figure it out myself. So I just fit like prior to this, I'd fished a ridiculous amount of days. It is not easy. To hook and land a steelhead, I grew up fishing a ton, and I was just like, I couldn't understand <clears throat> why this one particular fish was so much harder than everything else mm-hmm. um, to catch. But anyway, I was with my buddy Chris. Um, this is just the first one I hooked, and it, and 
anyway, he's taught me so much. Um, but anyway, uh, I ended up uh, thinking I was snagged again, you know, with my lead. And so, you know, I pulled on it. Nothing happened. You know, I pulled on it a little bit harder. Um, nothing happened. So then I, like, reefed on it, like, the third time. Because, you know, by that point, you're just trying to get everything, you know, off the bottom or out of a snag or whatever. And I just see this big i'm 95 percent sure it was a wild chrome hen i guess it could have been a buck but it was it was big and chrome not huge but anyway it just swirls up to the surface right um, and at that point i realized it was a fish and that i wasn't snagged you know and uh i just started i don't know i think i yelled for chris or something i was just super super uh excited and and i fought it i think for um a couple minutes it jumped and everything it was it was super cool, um, but then I think it ended up breaking my leader, um, but I don't fish 14-pound fluorocarbon anymore. I fish 20, so lesson learned, uh, hard lesson to learn, losing your first steelhead that you worked so hard to I, hook. I heard you know? that most people do have that experience of losing mm -hmm. their first. Yeah, and it's, it's heartbreaking, but it helps you learn. And then the first one I landed, and that was winter season, and I didn't land a fish at all that winter. And that's what we love about today. I mean, it was it was tough. Yeah. It, it, we didn't catch a lot of fish, mm -hmm. but we tried really hard for hours in between fish. Yeah. Lucas, you hooked and lost one at the very end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, almost when you just want to give up, like mm -hmm. especially when you first started fishing for these fish. Honestly, it was better to lose one than to not because it was like, hey, I did find one right there. Boom! You're like, you know, they actually are here. Yeah, they know? are yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Like, that I was nice that to one. see. Yeah, so. I tricked that one. Absolutely. Even though we lost it, it was a huge morale booster for all of us. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Sadly, I had some file issues and we lost about the last ten minutes of this podcast here. But thanks to uh, Andrew Schnell for setting up the trip with Keith Johnson. We had a great day uh, after this, covered a bunch of water, but then eventually found him, Andrew and I, and we hooked a couple fish. I uh, landed one. We lost some really nice ones, including a big one that Andrew hooked, and it was a blast. So thanks again, guys. Thanks for listening. Andrew and I did get to meet a couple podcast listeners, two guys up on the Olympic Peninsula who were really cool. And uh, we'll try to get some more interviews on here soon. Good luck steelhead fishing. Let me know how it's going. Send in pictures to the Hogpen customer service at amatobooks.com and tell them the podcast sent you. Thank you very much. <laughs>